Hello and welcome to the Vavil UK League One and Two podcast. After a crazy final day in the Championship on Wednesday, we now know who will be in Leagues One and Two next season, or do we? We'll be talking about that tonight and much more. That's right, Cal. Hull, Charlton and Wigan have been relegated from the Championship, but the Latics could still be spared if their appeal against their 12-point deduction is successful. That would instead relegate Barnsley. In other news, Bolton have appointed Ian Everett as their new boss. We'll be discussing that as well as reviewing the season on this week's Vavil EFL podcast. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. We're available on Spotify, Acast, Google Pods and iTunes. But without further ado, let's crack on. James, what a night in the Championship. Oh, it was fantastic. It was. It just proves that the Championship is the best league in the world. 91st minute, Barnsley, Clark Adore, his first professional goal, keeping the Tykes in the division. And oh my God, I have to be honest, as a neutral, I was celebrating. I mean, it's very harsh on Wigan, but... As it stood for Barnsley and Wigan to be going down, picking up points at Brentford and Fulham, and for Charlton to be staying up after being drubbed 4-0, I was like, it'd be nice to see one of them get a late goal. And it was, it was very nice. And obviously, at the other end of the uh, table, there was a little bit of fun as well. But all credit goes to Barnsley. I'm looking forward to seeing them next season, obviously. I was about to say, I'm looking forward to seeing the relegated ones, but obviously we did get promoted. So uh won't be seeing them next season. Breaking news, Coventry got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I obviously the whole situation is a little bit it, it's still up in the air I mean no, it seemed like nobody told Barnsley last night Wigan staying in the division is still subject to appeal there's a lot of controversy around just that there's also the fact that Derby and Sheffield Wednesday have potentially got point deductions looming over them that looks more likely to be next season if it would be Wigan's seems if they're going to get it it's going to be this season or nothing what, what do you make to the whole situation in the Championship? Because, you know, you've got three teams that have gone down, Charlton and Hull. Yes, OK, Charlton and Hull have got the least amount of points. They deserve their place there. Wigan, it, it's, it's a lot more up in the air. But we could, see, we could have seen a scenario where all of the bottom three escaped because of the mismanagement of other clubs. Well, I've always not really been a fan of, of the whole points deduction thing. I, I don't think it's fair on the, the teams themselves that, they spend their whole 46-game season working their asses off, just the mismanagement of the club and the boardroom. They have to pay as a result of that. I don't think that's fair at all. We hate seeing that, especially a lot of the Northwest clubs aren't being managed particularly well. We look at Berry and we look at Oldham as well. So a lot of mismanagement going on there, and it's not nice to see, especially for a, a region of the country that has such great history within the EFL. We talked off air as well that will we're going to be able to hold on to all their best players and are more likely no. And the manager as well, because they've, they've been in a brilliant run of form of late. So we're going to have the name to attract the best players if their budget was more balanced next season, but looking very bad for, for them. But in, term, in terms of, um, as you say, with the points deduction, you'd have a fine instead. I'm not, I'm not sure I can necessarily get on board with that. I know I know Wigan is a very unique case. It sounds dodgy. It, it the, the whole thing around it just stinks. But if if you're going to say that say say a Sheffield Wednesday or a Derby who all right, it's alleged at the moment, we don't know if they've actually they are actually guilty of anything, but if it turns out that they are and they're going to get 21 points off. Surely even though the play yeah, okay, you can say that the players don't deserve that, but at the same time, the club of Essentially, if found guilty, I'll stress that again, 
if found guilty, they've cheated, haven't they? So th- th- there has to be something to put them off. And maybe if if, the cl- if if a club like Sheffield Wednesday are prepared to get themselves £30 plus million pounds over the FFP in terms of making a loss, then they're going to be prepared to pay a fine, surely. Well, FFP in general is flawed. We saw that last week with Manchester City. I think if, you, if you've got good enough accountants, you can get around it. Any club on world football can get around it. And I think, obviously, Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday and Wigan and the likes of those sort of clubs, they don't have the money to spend on, on the big lawyers. But the FFP model in general is flawed. And if you look at the books of every um, professional football club, I'm sure there's a lot of dodgy dealings going on that are well hidden. So, I've, as I said before, I've never been a fan of the, the whole points deduction um, system just because, as I said before, I don't, I don't think the lads that work their, their asses off for 46 games have to pay as a result of somebody's mismanagement, I don't think that's fair at all. But, I mean, that that's football. Is there a better way to deal with the fining system? Will we just see more clubs going under as a result of the fines? I don't know. So there's got to be a balance somewhere, and I don't really know where that is. I, I don't I don't know enough about the whole political side of the football to, to say this should happen or that should happen, but I just don't really agree with, with the deduction of points. And I, I think Paul Cook and his team have paid the heaviest price when actually they've been quite a good football inside this season on a, quite a respective budget for, for the division. Yeah, there's been no doubt in that that Wigan have been um, on the pitch anyway, really harshly done to. But but James, um, Wigan's loss, uh, it looks like it's going to be Barnsley's gain. We, you know, I, I've seen them a few times this season. I saw them batter Leeds at Ellen Road. I, I saw them more than match Brentford on Wednesday night. If there was a team that was going to get this reprieve, you know, you can't help but be pleased for Barnsley. They've, they've got a fearless style of play. They've got, you know, a, they're a great, they're a great club. And maybe I'm being biased because they're a, they're a South Yorkshire club, but you know, they, they they play a really really brave style of football. And in the end, you know, they were releg they were they were they were relegated against Nottingham Forest until they scored with the last kick of the game. They did it again against Brentford. They've shown incredible spirit to get out of it. No matter what happens, what has happened to Wigan, that has to be applauded. Yeah, of course. I mean, Gerhard Struber has done really well this season. A lot of EFL fans might not know where he's come from. Wolfsburg are in Austria. I mean, he got them to the Europa League. Uh, group stages. They beat Borussia Mönchengladbach 4-0 this season and drew with Roma. Uh, and he left them just before Christmas when they were third in their league and had, had a respectable season in, in the Europa League. Uh, to drop down to Barnsley, who at the time were in the relegation zone, looked dead and buried along with Luton. Um, and he, he's brought in a style of play that, I, I mean, Daniel Stendhal started the revolution at Barnsley. And we saw last season the brand of football he brought, the attacking, never-say-die attitude. And he's taken it one step further. I've seen um, some statistics released to to obviously show how good Leeds have been this season. Uh, but in terms of pressing, forward pressing, and pressing in, in, in the forward sections of the pitch, Barnsley do it more than any other team apart from Leeds this season. So really, when you play in attacking football, with what a lot of people would admit is a team made on a shoestring budget. I mean, Clark Adore was sold by Leeds from their under-23s this season. He wasn't even in their first team squad, never mind their, their first team eleven. And they've taken him, taken him on, and he's been really impressive. They've brought in a couple of loans, one, one from Austria who come on yesterday and made the difference. And yeah, they, they, they do definitely deserve their place in the league. I know it is hard on Wigan, but 
I think they definitely do. Touching on the two clubs with the points deduction facing them next season, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday and Derby, it really bodes well, obviously. I know you're going to bring it back to the fact that Coventry are going up. But even Wickham, who obviously a lot of teams are expecting to go straight back down, if they've got a, a points head start on teams next season, that could be really something to, to get them to kick off their season on, on the front foot. And hopefully the teams that have come up from League One give it a real good go. I know it's hard for the fans of Sheffield Wednesday and Derby. And like Adam says, it probably punishes the wrong people. But on the flip side of that, there's going to be teams that see that and, and will push on from, from that next season. And I mean, Barnsley, again, are a team that have survived by the skin of their teeth. Hopefully starting, definitely not bottom after the first few games of the season. will really push them on. So, yeah, I I think they, they, they've they've done well to stay up. They, they were dead and buried along with Luton. I think Luton deserve credit as well. Two teams that come up from League One last season who both looked to be dead and buried and they've both done really well. And it, it says a lot about League One as well in that neither team particularly spent loads of money neither team made wide-scale changes to their squads and both have managed to stay up in a division that is led everyone is led to believe is out of the grasp of 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 league one sides and um we've seen wigan they've they've gone down another of the promoted teams that unfortunately fell at the final hurdle hurdle was charlton they joined wigan and hull in um the in in league one next season adam from your point of view these three clubs have got Sit well. I mean, it, it's it's not been a secret. It's probably the worst kept secret in the world that these clubs have got some um, ownership issues. Out of the three teams, who would you say is most likely to make an immediate return to the championship? I'd, I'd, it's hard to put your finger on that. There's one thing I could say is that I could see Hull going down again if they don't sort themselves out. They've they've been absolutely terrible since the restart and they've been terrible all season there's just the whole club seems to be in absolute disarray and it's obviously it's not nice to see any clubs go through that the fans that they'll see their club just slowly dying which is never a good thing at all i'd say of the three i could see charlton coming back up but as james said the league one is so competitive and and losing does become a habit. So when you do get relegated, it's hard to build the momentum again. So it's going to be really hard for any of those three clubs to, to come straight back up. But no, I, I think of the three, I think Charlton probably have the best chance of, of coming back up. And um, obviously moving away from the championship final day, the big news in um, Leagues 1 and 2 has been that the recent appointment of Ian Evert as Bolton Wanderers' new boss. Of course, Ian Evert, the former Blackpool def- and Chesterfield defender, led Barrow back to the Football League for the first time in 48 years. James what did you make of this appointment by Bolton? Is it a step in the right direction for a club that has only been going down recently? I think it's a uh, it's a it's a good appointment and it's an ambitious appointment in that they're looking at young managers who are achieving at that kind of level of the game. I think it's also a risk, though. I mean, he, he's done really well with Barrow over the last two seasons. He's, he's incorporated a real effective but pleasing on the eye style of play, but it, it is a risk. I mean. Bolton are a massive club and they seem to have their ship relatively in order compared to where they were this time last year. And really looking at the teams that are around them in League Two this season, I don't think going into the new season it is a particularly strong League Two. I think the three best teams in the league went up automatically. Uh, You can't say that apart from Cheltenham really in the playoffs, uh, based on their 
form across the season. Uh, they they were strong, but at the same time, if you as soon as the pressure was on in the playoffs, they they crumbled. So really, I, I I can't see many real competitors so far. So there's a lot of pressure on Bolton to go straight back up um, as well as as well as Tranmere. I don't think Southend are in any position to be challenging that end of the table. But I just I just feel that it, it's a it is a good appointment in that it's it's progressive and it's a young manager who is obviously very ambitious and it shows it rather than picking someone up who's fallen through the leagues and has been sacked by various league clubs. It's nice to see someone new getting a chance. However, it is a risk for a club of their size in that division. And um, Adam, we've seen some of the early signings, Anthony Sarsovic, who um, helped Plymouth get into league one. Owen Doyle as well, who everybody knows about the, the hot form that he's been on this season, but a three year deal for him. These are these are um, statement signings from Bolton, aren't they? But th- there was one that caught my eye a little bit was Doyle getting a three-year deal. That is a risk at his age. I, I bet he hasn't come cheap either. You know what? What did you make to? What have you made to the signings? And what did you make to Doyle getting such a long contract? Bolton have, have not managed themselves well financially of late, and, and I don't think that's the, the wisest move for them, especially as you said at his age, a three-year deal. Are, are you saying that? Other club trying to say that he's a League One player. I don't think he is. I think he's a good League Two player. He scored a lot of goals last season, but I don't think he. If they were to go, I don't think he'd be the player that would score them a ton of goals in League One. So, the the three year deal it sort of sounded like he'd say, "Well, I'll come as long as you give me that three years," and 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 he's held them to ransom there. I think a three year deal is is for for a thirty two year old striker. Yes, okay. In League Two, he's proved he still scores goals. However, next year he's 33 going into League One. He's still got two years on his contract. Is he really going to be up for a new challenge of of forcing himself through another season of of trying to match that kind of goal scoring record? I don't think so. I think that I, I this is a statement of intent signing a player like that. But I think Bolton need to watch signing players like that to long contracts because. It could really backfire on them, and and for a club who are only just coming out of the woods in the last twelve months from previous financial trauma, um, I, I think I think they really do need to be careful on 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 these long contracts. And um, Adam, another managerial appointment, a bit closer to home to you, and um, res- resisting with um, all the will that I have to make any sort of pun based on this, but. <laughs> Do it, do it, Cal, do it. Michael Jackson has been appointed at Prenton Park. And as I said, I'm a mature journalist, so I'm not going to make a pun. What did you make to it? It's a thrilling appointment, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> I can't, honestly, I can't help myself. I can't. No, it's it's an appointment that I, I can say that I, I somewhat expected. That He was a big part of, of what Mickey... Mickey Mellon done at the club and he led a lot of the training sessions. He was part of a lot of the team meetings and he's been quite vocal um, within that dressing room. So it's it's a face that the club are familiar with, the fans are familiar with. He'd he done quite a lot of, of press last season, whether that was something that the club were preparing for the whole sort of uh, season, expecting that Mickey would go with a tram and stayed, or, stayed up or, or were relegated as, as they were. I do think it's it's a safe appointment. I don't think it's the, the greatest. It's not setting the world alight, but it's a safe appointment. I, I, 
they try may have got a squad where they could have done well in League One. So if a lot of the players that they had on loan, it looks like they're, they're going to get back. Um, it's like Woodyard's going to stay. It looks like Vaughan's going to stay. So they've got quite a few decent players that are going to come through the door there. So if he's able to, to keep a core squad, keep hold of Manny Monty and co, then they should do well next season. But I think there are a few, a few managers out there that they could have somewhat broke the bank on. I, I know it's, a, it's an uncertain financial climate and it's a big outlay to, to bring a manager. You know, Robbie Fowler was available and he's done really well in Australia. He's got the contact book where he could have brought a lot of good young players into the club from the likes of Liverpool and, and the other clubs that he's played with. And that was a, an opportunity for the club. They've opted to stay with somebody that they're, they've gotten to know, the fans have gotten to know, that the board are, are confident in. So it's, yeah, it's a thrilling, thrilling appointment. I think it's quite interesting to see as well the way that the two have, have dealt with the new, the managerial vacancies and that Bolton have obviously gone all out. I mean, I mean we talk about the... We were talking about the figures in terms of the compensation. Anywhere between 120,000 to 250,000 to bring him and his team into that club, which in that division, you wonder, is that money that would be better spent? I mean, at the time, I did say to you guys, it, it it's money that you'd spend on a striker to get you 25 goals to get you out of the division. I mean, looking at them, it seems that they've done both, which fair play to them. If they've got that kind of financial strength nowadays, then fair play to them and I wish them well. But when you look at the way that Tranmere have gone around their business and that they've been quite shrewd in bringing through someone who knows the club and will just be able to hopefully hit the ground running in that he doesn't need to learn the club, he doesn't need to learn the faces, he's got a squad that he's familiar with, that he's trained for the last year or so. I think it'll be really interesting to see who fares better in that sort of uh, clash. And I do, as I say, I do think that the two of them, what with the, the fact that they're both just recently relegated and the fact that they're bringing in some especially Bolton, they're bringing in some good signings. Um, it'll be really interesting to see them both, I think, at the top of the table and who will come out on top. Mm, I can see um, I can see Michael Jackson proving to be quite a, a smooth criminal down in League 2. Hey, there it is, there it is. <laughs> Callum, that, that was... That was bad. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Honestly, it was like a vein was bursting out of my head. It's just that I can't wait to see all the headlines next year. It's going to be unbelievable. We've been given so so much ammunition there at the club. Can I just also say that that this is another point of a game. Little dig. Did you see that the bottom five in the championship when the pro- project restart happened? None of them got relegated. None of them were in the bottom five when fo- the football season finished. I see. I seen that. And is that taking us on to a bit of a point about the uh, League One and League Two finishing early at all? We've not talked about it. <laughs> Did we see that Cardiff and Swansea would have both finished mid-table on points per game as well? I'm not saying anything. I mean, I mean, I mean, for argument's sake, the best. The best, the best three teams in League One all went up. So the best PPG team in League One in Wickham went on to win promotion. Don't say those words. <laughs> Listen, it's it's it, it it it's clearly a flawless system, but at the same time, and I, I can see the gripes that Tramir and Peterborough have, but at the same time, for a division that couldn't finish. And the fact that it was going to bankrupt teams, it it was the fairest unfair way to do it. And I'm sorry, and. People are entitled to disagree. That's football. But for me, there was no fair way to end a season that couldn't be finished. You couldn't null and void it. You couldn't play on. They had to reward 
the points that had been won on the pitch throughout the 35 games, in my opinion. And listen, it, it's 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 it sucks for Tranmere. It's 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 harsh on Peterborough, but at the end of the day, there was a global pandemic. There was no they couldn't possibly finish the season by all accounts. And if it was possible to 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 finish the season, the clubs would have voted for it at the end of the day. Um, and that's just that's my take on it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that was a perfect way to do it, but rather than having a ten-team playoff where you know the the team in the relegation spot gets to stay up, it was the fairest way, the fairest unfair way. Um, anyway, James, um, now Coventry are actually in the championship, so you can't nominate them. So who in League One and Two have you been most impressed with in terms of um, early business? Well, um, not to go straight back to them but Bolton uh, we touched on their signings earlier they, they've been the most active um, and they stood out for me I think Anthony Sarsovic is a, is a real sort of a real coup because he is quite clearly ready for that step up to League One he's obviously gone back closer to home to, to play Bolton and I was listening to him on a podcast there the other day and he seems really excited by the project that Ian Everton that are, are getting involved with Um but yeah, I think I think they, they could really give it a go. If them signings click, I mean, Owen Doyle, we don't need to talk about him and his, his sort of abilities. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting to see Swindon miss out on both him and Jerry Yates. I mean, between them, they scored a, a huge percentage of their goals. I think it was something like 70% of their goals last season between them. Obviously helped them to promotion, but neither of them will be returning. Jerry Yates obviously signed for Blackpool earlier in the week. And I mean, I, I have to say I'm quite surprised at Paul Warren. I know it's not really worked for Yates at Rotherham, but for someone, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, he came through as a, as a young lad, sort of from a, from a, I'm not sure how old he was when he first was signed by Rotherham, uh, but he was young anyway. He come through the youth ranks and I, I think it's nice for... I mean, I don't know. He's been out on loan various times. I don't know what regard he's held to with the Rotherham fans. But I know if it was a Coventry lad that was 22 and, and had a season like that in League Two, they'd be questioning why he's been allowed to go to Blackpool, who you could argue until sort of Christmas were, were looking like promotion candidates in that league, um, in League One, which obviously alongside Rotherham. So it's it, it's a team that isn't too far away from the, the level that both Coventry and Rotherham are at now, I, I, it surprised me to see Rotherham let him go. And obviously speaking to Paul Warren previously, he's been one of those, he doesn't seem like he'd like to see players like that leave. So it, it did surprise me to see him go on a permanent, especially after the season he's had. But I think Swindon will be kicking themselves, especially if they don't replace either of them two properly, because it appeared that, I mean, Owen Doyle was let go on a free and Jerry Yates, I, 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 I can't imagine that, he was commanding a massive fee. Um, and I, I think by the looks of it, it was they, they matched a bid and it was rejected because of the time constraints they had. They they wanted to pay it over a longer period of time. So Rotherham just accepted the Blackpool bid. So it, if it comes to the an end of the season and Swindon are struggling for goals, I think they'll be kicking themselves. I, I just think sometimes player just needs a new challenge, a new move. It, you know, he, I think, I think Jerry Yates unfortunately um, was thrown under the bus a little bit in the season that Rotherham were were, re- were relegated the first time from the Championship, where they got, a, I think it was a record 
low points total. And at that time, he was just a young lad. There was no sort of skin off his nose for it. You know, he was being made to play up front in a team that just lacked hunger, desire, any sort of confidence. In League One, he didn't really do it either. And yes, he went down into League Two and has done really well. He scored goals by all accounts from the right wing. Swindon fans seem to rate him really highly. I think they have a slightly different style of play to what Rotherham would do. I think Rotherham expect something a little bit more from the strikers. You know, like Michael, the whole team, the, the whole Rotherham team basically goes through Michael Smith. Is Jerry Yates going to come in and do the same job as Michael Smith? Probably not. I just thought when I saw it, you know, I obviously wish Jerry Yates all the best. You know, as you say, local lad always gave it his all. But I just think that there comes a time where it needs a change. It needs freshening up. It was a good, you know, it's a good bit of business for Rotherham to get a fee for him. A uh, good bit of business from Blackpool. And maybe, maybe you know, Jerry Yates entering the, the last year of his contract, maybe he turned around and said, listen, I want to go. You know, I've, I've done everything. I, 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 can't, I can't see myself getting into the side. I don't really want to play the second or third choice striker, which I, you know, with the likes of Michael Smith, Freddie Ladapo, even Kyle Vassell, you know, we just signed um, uh, Mikel Miller, who would probably uh, go above him in the pecking order. He probably looked at him for, you know what, Blackpool... Saying that they want they want me to start in the first team. I want to I want to go there and you know Paul Paul Warren's the type of manager where you know he wants the best for his players and if a player came to him and said listen I think I'm going to get more football here Paul Warren would say yeah absolutely yeah go go and play go and play it's the best for your career and uh, I'm not going to stand in your way rather than keeping him as a uh, a fourth choice striker so I, I'm not sure if Paul Warren would have necessarily wanted him to leave I I, I mean. Um, We've both spoken to him before and he rates him really highly. You know, he's, he thinks he's a great lad. Uh, he thinks he's got a lot of good attributes. Maybe he was just doing the right thing by the player. That is a, that is a fair point, to be fair. It, 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 I mean, it says a lot for Blackpool to be bringing in players that, like you say, are obviously highly rated, but looking for that next move. And, and they're obviously showing a bit of intent in the transfer market. They bought It's the third attacker they've bought in already after Keshi Anderson and CJ Hamilton from Mansfield. So they've been active quite quickly and I think it will be quite interesting to see how they change from a style which I don't know how you found it this season, both of you, but Blackpool were very much Arnold Nanule and get it to him in the air. He will do something with it, whether he scores or lays it off. I don't think that's a style that Neil Critchley's going for. Um, I mean, Adam, you'll be able to touch a little bit on Neil Critchley and, and what he is about, but I don't think long ball is his game at all. No, Critch is a really, really good manager. I was hoping Shamir would, would go in for them. There was quite a few talks about Mickey potentially moving on from, from the local press. So when when he did make that move to Blackpool, I was I was uh, somewhat disheartened, hoping that he would go to Shamir, but he's a really good coach that really highly thought of at Liverpool they allowed him to take the FA Cup games so they gave him the responsibility and all of his teams performed really really well they, they were playing against men and they were kids so obviously the results weren't not all the results were amazing but he's a really good coach works really well with the young players so I can see them playing good football and having a good core of young players next season but yeah it's very it's very early to, to say what will or won't happen we need to see what what clubs bring in and, and what players leave but Blackpool are in a really good position under a really really good manager I think a little fun fact here as well uh, Critchley's actually got the 13th highest win record in Liverpool's history with a 50% win record. <laughs> yeah, that's an impressive one. Um, and um, just just to wrap it up, you know, we're, we're looking ahead to next season, but 
maybe just a little reflection on last season. Uh, I want to I want to ask you your, your nominations really. Um, for firstly, your manager of the season in each league. In my opinion, League One, Gareth Ainsworth wins by an absolute mile. If I speak, if I speak, no, nah, maybe not a mile. I think, I think he just about pipped uh, Mark Robbins, but then Gareth Ainsworth won his um, won his promotion on the pitch, whereas uh, Mark Robbins got the tainted title in the end. James, what, what did you think? What did you make to League One? Who was your uh, manager of the year? Uh, my manager of the year was Mark Robbins. Uh, I don't think that's going to drop any jaws. It's it three three defeats all season. We we were so comfortable and the style of play. We played thirty four away games and lost three all season. What Coventry did last season to play a whole season in another city and to to be leading the league obviously at the end by five points. If we'd have won the league by five points, I, I don't think it's a. I don't think anyone would would take away the fact that we would have gone up. I think we were so far and ahead in terms of form in terms of how we were in going into that sort of running period. Uh, it would have taken a monumental disaster for us to to have lost the league. And we almost did because there was a monumental disaster. But yeah, it definitely, for me, there was only one man that, that could be considered and that's that's. Ah, Robbins and uh, Adam, you could um, you could tie you could tie it up by um, nominating the other promotion-winning manager. Paul Warren could get the nod here, but yeah, who was <laughs> who was your uh, manager of the year for League One? Oh, I've got to back you on this one. I think Gareth Ainsworth done an absolutely remarkable job and has done for for a, a few years, and and finally got the recognition that he's deserved. Very much a rock and roll manager, <laughs> as we've seen in, in in some of the videos that have come out. But <laughs> yeah, he's done a really good job, and I don't think any of us. We sit here at the end of the season and we look at the the early predictions, and you'd say probably seven out of ten people would have had Wickham going down in League One. So for them to to go up, it was just a remarkable feat. You know, Taylor, as we we had on the podcast in the past few weeks to talk about Wickham and. What what he sort of always repeated was that they've got just unbelievable team togetherness and, and the, the cohesion within that squad is just unlike any other. So when you've got a man at the top who, who can get a, a bunch, you know, a group of players that, yeah, granted are decent, but you wouldn't say that they were head and shoulders above all the teams in League One. And they, they weren't the best football inside, but they played to the, the best of their ability. They had a game plan and they executed it better than anyone else in the playoffs. So all credit to him and all credit to Wickham for going up. And I, as as you mentioned before, uh, with, with the po- potential points deduction next season, the, the clubs that are going up from League One, they're in a really good position, better position than all, all the clubs from other seasons because they, they have that advantage and um, they've just got to grind out the results. Yeah, and... As we saw with ten games to go, everything can change. We saw Luton; they were, you know, they were down by everyone's. Everyone thought that they were completely gone. Brought in that their old manager, and, and they were up. So you just never give up in the championship, and things can change very, very quickly. And James, just before we move on to the uh, the League Two manager of the season, um, obviously we saw Coventry, the champions. Rotherham have got the experience of the second tier. Wickham, obviously, the first time they're going to be there, but they, they, they've definitely got the team spirit behind them and that can get you a long way. How do you think the three promoted teams will fare in the championship next season? I think that we and Wickham... I'm not even just saying this, by the way. I'm saying that us and Wickham being so untested as squads and 
as a like a, as a group going up. We'll have that freedom to play how we want to play. Whereas Rotherham, having been there before, I do worry we'll go up to not get relegated again, which I don't think will be an issue for Rotherham because I look at that league and I think we're going into possibly one of the weaker championships of recent times. I think Wigan are a mid-table club in there and have gone down. I think Charlton, of the three clubs that have stayed up, probably under normal ownership, uh, which, to be fair, that it looks like they're moving into now, may have had a, a bigger budget than them two clubs. I think there's two teams that are on the brink of a points deduction. Wickham, since Yeovil went up about 10 years ago, are probably the weakest team to go up. And I know that there's a lot to be said about team spirit. There, there's some players in that, team that are key players that you wouldn't even look at as being league one standard before this season and whether they can make the step up again I'm not sure so I think it'll be difficult for Wickham in terms of I think they've definitely got the weakest playing squad going into it as as it stands I think that mentality wise we're probably in the strongest boat I think that if Paul Warren goes into it with a clean slate and it's a brand new season, he doesn't think about the fact that he, they've been relegated twice or three times in recent years, then they, they, there's no reason for Rotherham not to because they're just as good as us on the pitch. They're just as effective as us on the pitch. But I do think that there's a lot to be said about the fact that they have been relegated from that division numerous times in recent years. Um, and whether that plays on their mind as a squad may or may not arm them. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we will see. Um, in terms of League Two, um, there's a few contenders for the for the manager of the season. I personally think the turnaround that Richie Wellens has done at Swindon, there's been a few, there's always some sort of underlying problem at Swindon as well in terms of the boardroom. Um, he's put a good squad together that play an attacking brand of football. He's won the league. For me, He's the standout candidate in League Two. Um, Honourable mention, of course, to Mysterious Curl for masterminding probably the greatest playoff win of all time. But yeah, for me, for me, Wellens, the job that he's done at Swindon, the football that they played, there's the, he's in a league of his own, really. Especially after the time that he had at Oldham, getting sacked at Oldham, picking himself up, reinventing himself as a manager, going again, you know, not being. Not giving up belief in himself and uh, going together, putting together a great side and ultimately guiding them to the title. And they were the best team in the division by a long way as well. I would say for my choice of manager of League Two, nearly ruined it at the death. And I have to say there was one game of 38 that they were very, very poor in. Uh, But Michael Duff, I think... There's one thing to take a team that are pretty much down at the bottom. Like, they're not relegation candidates, but they're expected to finish 18th. And if they get any- anywhere higher, it's like fair play. To take them to four and to take them there in a fashion that they were so defensively resolute, it was a bit scary. Like, I don't understand. It's, it takes a certain level of manager to be able to do that. I think that there's teams that go up who might not might not be the strongest team, but they, they still ship goals and they still ship goals regularly. I think it's just a case of we will score more than you, which is, is the preferred method, method of giant killing normally. But I think with what Michael Duff did at Cheltenham was different to that. It was setting defensive records. It was conceding more than one goal in a game on one occasion it was they they were they were set up very well they were they were a very well managed team and for that i think looking at 
how the season ended. I think I, I do think that they would have gone on and got automatic promotion as well had it have gone on any further. So I think they were quite unlucky. I think the playoff blip can be excused and I think he would be the manager of the season if I was choosing. And Adam, uh, quickly, final word to you. I, Ryan Lowe's really impressed me the last few seasons. and The two years in League 2, it's going to be really interesting to see what he'll be like as a manager in League 1, in a league where he's not considered one of the, the favourites. Uh, both times in the two years that he's, he's gained promotion, he's had quite a decent budget, hasn't he? So, um, he's not worked wonders in that respect. He's brought in players and they've done well, so it's good recruitment. But you know, I think a lot of managers would love to be in the position where they could they spend that money in those leagues. Um, but he, I think any manager who gets promotion two years in a row um, from from any league deserves a lot of uh, credit uh, pointed their way. So uh, honourable mentioned obviously to Duffy uh, at Cheltenham. They didn't get it this time and. You know, will they be able to replicate their the form from last season into the next year? I don't know. It's it's going to be a big ask. Um, there's going to be a lot of plays that will be attracting attention, but it seems that their whole it may be a case that their whole um, well the way that the club works is that their system is really really good. Do they have loads of standout players? I don't think they do. Then they've got one or two decent players, but. We may see a few of them players being picked off by some of the bigger clubs, and um, I don't know. It's going to be hard for them to replicate that. But I'd say my manager of the year is Ryan Lowe, manager of the year and a manager of the past two seasons in, in League Two. So yeah, Ryan Lowe. Yeah, definitely an honourable mention. But I'm afraid that is all we have time for tonight. So thank you to James and Adam for joining me, and of course, as ever, to you for listening at home. Make sure you tune in next week as we will be discussing the situation at Sunderland with football finances expert Kieran Maguire. Until then, have a lovely weekend.